You're listening to the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Welcome to the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. This is episode four. I'm recording this the same time as the Summer Olympics. Me and my family have glued to the TV watching as our swimmers break world records one after another. So the question is, how is this possible? Well, I tried to convince my two teenagers that the Chinese had figured out how to slightly tilt the pool on each lap, allowing the swimmers to swim downhill. They didn't buy that. There's been discussion on the internet, maybe they've put something in the water that makes it more slippery. I, I don't think so. The special suits? Well, they had suits like these for the last Olympics. Michael Phelps doesn't even wear a full suit. My guess is that part of it is the continuing improvements in technology that lead to more specialized training. And I mean specialized to each individual athlete. Technology that gives the athlete and their coaches the ability to pinpoint their exact level of fitness. And this allows them to construct training programs to improve weaknesses. After a period of training, they test again, identify new weaknesses, develop a new program, and the cycles repeated over and over, and then the world records start to fall. Like all forms of technology, it tends to trickle down, becoming more available and affordable to mere mortals like us and the participants in our indoor cycling classes. One type of testing that I've become a big fan of is having a metabolic assessment. I had some questions about incorporating metabolic assessments into my indoor cycling classes, so I contacted New Leaf Fitness. And they put me in touch with their education and training manager, Jessica Christensen. I have her on the phone now. Welcome, Jessica. Hi, thanks for having me, John. I'm sitting in my class. I'm trying to communicate some level of exertion to my participants. You know, how accurately can I judge, can they judge based on perceived exertion or heart rate percentages, those type of things? You'd like to think that everyone's perceptions are going to be exactly the same, but based off of past training experiences, just experiences of exercise in general. Really knowing where they're at, it's going to be tough because everyone's perceptions are going to be different. I think so using subjective measurements, we, they're good because we want people to, to really identify how am I feeling, that sort of thing. But just purely going off of those perceptions, it can make it pretty difficult to really know exactly where your client is during that workout. So therefore, they could be working at too high of an intensity or maybe even too low, just because that perception is not really quite accurate of how they're supposed to be feeling. And their mood, I imagine, can be, if I'm feeling excited, I want to work, or I'm not feeling into it today, that's hard enough. Where I'm going to this is people's time is so valuable. It would be my intent to really maximize the time they're spending in my, the hour in my class. Yeah, and that's a good point because a lot of people think, you know, if I'm not sweating, if I'm not crawling out of this class, I didn't get a good workout. One of our, one of our mottos with New Leaf is, is really thinking about working out smarter, not just harder. Do you need that higher intensity? And, yep, give me that standing climb. I want to feel it. need that stuff, but you also need balance. You want a little bit of that moderate, a little bit of that easy. And give me some of that hard, too, but it's got to look at the whole kind of thing in, in moderation. Well, tell us about New Leaf Fitness. New Leaf Fitness is a metabolic assessment company. 
Metabolic assessments are one in which the individual is taken through a graded exercise assessment and what we're doing is we're measuring their oxygen consumption, their carbon dioxide production and at the same time we're measuring their heart rate. One of the biggest things that we do is we try to look at each individual person and measure their efficiencies. How well does their body utilize fat as a fuel? How well do they utilize carbohydrates? So you'll go through an assessment, find out where your metabolic markers are, and go from there. So you use this type of a training program versus, say, that age-predicted heart rate prescription or just off of an RPE scale, looking again directly at what that individual is efficient at, is good at. So it's really a scientific approach. It's for the benefit of people listening. I have a pretty good understanding of what you're offering. I've been through the testing. And it's really the difference between guessing and knowing, isn't it? Exactly. Your body is using two types of main fuels during exercise. We use carbohydrates and we use fat. And so by measuring the amounts of carbon dioxide and by amounts of oxygen that we're taking in and exhaling, we know exactly what my body is using for fuel. So there really is no guesswork. I mean, if I see a high amount of CO2 going on, I know that that individual is starting to use more carbohydrate. It's a very objective measurement of what your body is doing. My wife, who's the senior group fitness instructor in our family, uh, and I say that only because she's younger, but she's taught much longer than I have, <laughs> she always makes the comment that we were involved in indoor cycling right when spinning was first introduced in the middle 90s. And back those days, you know, the whole objective was to crush the people in the class. It wasn't a good class until people just crawled out on their hands and knees. And we're recognizing now that those people that took those classes week after week after week had no change. Their body composition remained the same. Some of them complained about the fact that you know their endurance went down. There was a lot of negatives around it. My understanding is what you're trying to do is maybe not working out that hard, but at specific levels is really more beneficial to someone from a training perspective. One of the, the big things to note about metabolic assessments, we want to find out how efficient that person is at utilizing fat as a fuel source. Now, I think that using fat sometimes gets a bad rap and people think, oh, I push the fat burn button on the treadmill. Yeah, I'm going to burn lots of fat. That's a big misconception. And I guess if we kind of step back for a second and we look at fuel utilization just as, as a whole, typically at lower intensities, I'm going to use a high amount of fat as a fuel, all right? As I increase in intensity, it's not that your fat utilization shuts off. Fuel utilization is always going to be more of a dimmer switch effect, okay, as a, like a shifting. So as I get higher in intensity, I'm going to see that my fat utilization will start to come down, my carbohydrate utilization will start to go up. What we want to try and train our bodies to do is to keep that switching or that trending of fat going down, carbohydrate going up to as far right in that heart rate spectrum as possible. Fat is going to be our most efficient fuel source overall. Our bodies are much more efficient at using fat as a fuel source versus carbohydrate. Not to get too technical, but if you look at, say, anaerobically, using carbohydrate as that fuel source, I create about four ATP. ATP are the, are the powerhouse of our energy. Now, if I take fat and I'm using fat as my fuel source, I actually am creating 36 ATP. So if you look at that side-to-side -side comparison, the more fat I can train my body to use, the more energy I'm going to be able to kick out. Another way that I always mention it to our clients is that it's kind of like using a dirty fuel. If, if you have to use a lot of carbohydrate, your body's got to work really, really hard to kind of get that energy out. But if I can train my body to use a lot of fat throughout a wide range of heart rate, my body's going to be able to kick out a lot of energy. In fact, do a lot of work, and it's going to feel easier. The more anaerobic I have to work, the tougher that workout's going to be.
Oh, I, I, you know, I want to use like the Lance Armstrong. I mean, everybody knows who he is. That's a great example. Is that Lance, any other than normal person, as you're going up that intensity, you're going up those hills, your body is unable to kind of keep up with that demand. And we start using more and more carbohydrate as fuel. What happens is the more carbohydrate I use as fuel, the more lactic acid I'm going to see being built or being produced. And that's the burning. It's going to make it harder to maintain that intensity. Now with Lance, his body never really has to dip down that low to use those carbohydrates. I mean, of course, he's all, we're always using carbohydrates and fats all the time. The percentages will change based off the training intensity. But if Lance is going up that hill, he's able to stay primarily aerobic. He doesn't have to use that much anaerobic fuel. He's still using fat at a very, very high intensity, which he's not feeling that lactic acid burn. He's not slowing down. He's just cruising on by everyone. We have a lot of fat on our bodies that we can use for energy. Carbohydrate-wise, we have a limited amount. So if I keep having to tap into those carbohydrate stores and using those up, that race is going to feel really, really hard down the road. But if I can train my body to keep using large amounts of fat throughout a wide range of heart rates, I'm going to be able to go faster. I'm going to be able to feel better. It's going to feel much easier in that workout. Again, the more aerobic I can stay, the easier that workout's going to be. As an old bicycle racer, did all my training based on a percentage of maximum heart rate. It was difficult for me initially to understand the zone training because you work really off of the anaerobic threshold. Explain how that all works. Instead of using that max value, what they're using as one of their, their main markers is the anaerobic threshold. Now, you may have heard things... Um, it's real common out there, especially cyclists. They maybe call it lactate threshold, or you may have heard it called a ventilation threshold or just threshold. We tend to refer to it as anaerobic threshold. All of those values pretty much refer to about the same spot. It just differs as far as what I'm actually measuring. Being that we're measuring oxygen and carbon dioxide, we call it an anaerobic threshold. Now, if I was doing a blood prick and taking some blood sampling and actually measuring levels of lactic acid in the system, I call it a lactate threshold, but basically what all of those threshold terms are referring to is the point at which your body becomes really inefficient at utilizing fat and oxygen to create energy. Now, at anaerobic threshold, you're still utilizing a small amount of fat. Once you go over threshold, you're pretty much 100% anaerobic. Most of the time, we're not going to be able to maintain a pace above your anaerobic threshold for a very long time, maybe at max up to 30 minutes or so. Some people can condition their bodies to work out at that level for a little bit longer, but overall, you're not going to be able to maintain much above that threshold. Research is actually now showing us that that threshold is a much better indicator of overall fitness than that max VO2 is. Your maximum heart rate, your maximum VO2, they are going to have a genetic component to it. That anaerobic threshold value is something that we can train. It's much more trainable than maybe that max VO2. When you look at the whole big picture, if I want to change my max values, I first got to look at my threshold. The other factor that we look at with, in terms of our zone methodology is something we refer to as aerobic base. Now, aerobic base is looking at the point in which your body is the most efficient at utilizing fat and oxygen, or pretty much the point where my fuels are equal. I'm using 50% fat and 50% carbohydrate. If we look at the whole goal as trying to make my body better at utilizing fat throughout a wide range of heart rates, the big question is how do I do that? You want to find that aerobic base marker where I'm 
I'm utilizing as much fat as I can, but still using as many calories as possible. That's where I'm the best. So if I want to make myself better, how do you get better? Work just above where I'm already good. So there's a, there'll be a zone right above that aerobic-based heart rate. That, that's going to be your aerobic-based development zone. Majority of your time is spent in that area. Just like how you, let's say you want to improve at work overall. If you're constantly stressed all the time, super, super hard projects, never given a downtime, you're going to burn out. And that's how when you're talking about before, the old mentality of, of cycling of let's kill them, make them crawl out of here. Your body doesn't respond to it. Your body, in order to get better and stronger, you need to push above, give yourself a little rest. Push above, give yourself a little rest. So by finding those aerobic base marker, that anaerobic threshold marker, we can create these zones that are very detailed and you have real specific purposes for those zones. You're very knowledgeable at this, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to tell my story. Working with uh, Dave Lang, uh, a personal trainer, I think you know at our club. I do know Dave, yep. You know, I'm always looking for something creative to occupy these people's time for 90 minutes or two hours. It can be kind of long in a class, especially when we're trying to keep our heart rates down with the intent of developing that aerobic base or maintaining it throughout the winter. And the idea was, well, Dave, how about if you were to give a lecture on exactly what we're talking today? Zone-based training, metabolic assessments. And he said, John, how about if we do one better? He said, why don't we conduct tests right there in front of the class? Oh, great. And I thought, well, that would be cool. Who would we have to do it? Well, of course, I was the guinea pig. And it was extremely valuable to me and to the class because here's this instructor I'm supposed to be da-da-da-da-da. Um, I actually am kind of a cardio junkie or a max heart rate kind of guy. My body just loves to zoom right to the top. But unfortunately, as we watch that graph on the screen, my fat burning dropped a lot sooner than it should. From that, I was given a very strict prescription all winter long of that marker as my threshold, which was considerably lower than what I would normally work out at. When the intent of retesting, the test was the first Sunday in January. I retested again the middle of March. And following this prescription that Dave had come up with for me, I saw marked improvement. But not only could I see it on a screen, but I could feel it. I just felt so much stronger. I seemed to be recover faster. But the other interesting thing was is that I always thought, there again, based on this max heart rate percentages, blah, 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 that I should be working at about 150 beats per minute, which what I would presume to be my anaerobic threshold. But as it turned out, I wasn't even close. My AT was actually 162. Here I'm many times not working as hard as I should. And then, of course, when I really kicked it in, then I'd be working way too hard. So the whole point, and that's what I try to tell people, is that, you know, you can guess or you can know. And it's extremely affordable if it's available at your club to have this done. But then you really know. Plus, it gives you something tangible to look at and say, yeah, this is valuable. And I can see my improvement. I can see what I need to improve. You know, you make a great point when you're talking about it's not guessing, it's knowing. You can go out and you can do subjective measurements for threshold and this is how I feel, but unless you're truly measuring your body's unique response, you are guessing. I've seen people be off by as much as 20 to 25 feet off of what they thought their threshold was. And if you're off by that threshold number, your training zones are going to be all different and all off. It really takes the guesswork out of it and knowing is what I'm doing correct yeah, it's correct. If, if you follow the pre-assessment protocols and we had a good assessment, that's you, man. You know, and a lot, sometimes a lot of people will, will be very, like how you were, when you were surprised that maybe 
And for those of you who have never seen a metabolic assessment, you actually can look and see how much you're using in fat and carbohydrates as your heart rate goes up. And I think a common misconception, people think, oh, I'm working really hard. I got to be burning tons of fat. Man, a lot of times if you don't have that base development, you're working purely anaerobically, which means you're having to work nine times as hard as you really should be. So it actually is going to break down for you. This is how many calories you're utilizing. This is how many fat calories. This is how many carbohydrate calories. And it's it does. It takes the guesswork out, which is that that whole fear of not knowing. That's stressful. So I'm glad you mentioned that point. The other side of it, I'm a sales and marketing guy, so I felt really good about the fact that after I had my first test, about 20 people went and signed up to have their what Lifetime calls MAP test or metabolic assessment profile because they, they recognize, oh my gosh, if the instructor doesn't know where he's at, I certainly don't. There's a lot of value in a metabolic assessment if your real interest is body weight maintenance, trying to lose body fat. Definitely. If, well, if you start again with that whole concept of wanting to use fat, and why should we, why do we want to use fat during exercise? Well, number one, if we want to lose weight, let's be specific, we want to lose fat, all right? We don't want to lose muscle. I don't want to break down that lean muscle mass. So I want to try and make my body use as much fat as possible. All right, so that's one of the reasons. Let's find out where I am the best at utilizing fat as a fuel, and that way I can work my body to use even more fat at a higher intensity. And again, you always got to think back, well, remember, why is, not just as I want to lose fat, but why is fat a good fuel? We get way more energy from fat than we do carbohydrate. I can work much more efficiently. So it's, again, it's that proper fuel source that we want to look at. But the other big thing when it comes to weight management, and really when it comes down to how do I lose weight, to lose weight, it's a very simple equation. I have to expend more than I take in. Hands down. When it comes to it, a calorie is going to be a calorie. All right? But you still want to go back to what type of, you know, what am I trying to lose? I'm trying to lose that body fat. Train your body to use more fat. So when you're looking at knowing those true caloric expenditures, that is crucial with any weight loss program, you know, and I will even step back a point here and say not even, I mean, the exercise is important with weight loss, but you also got to know how many calories your body needs just to survive. You know, getting a resting metabolic rate is very important with a weight loss program and knowing those values. So that's kind of a, that's probably a whole nother podcast, but <laughs> knowing those numbers are going to be important. But now let's say I have a goal of I need to expend 300 calories from exercise five days a week. If you just rely on the treadmill or if you kind of just go off of, you know, estimations off of the, you know, the internet, you're going to have error involved. You know, if I'm off by as much as 100 calories, off as much as 200 calories, that could equal almost up to a half pound of weight loss a week. Start looking at that, you're looking at two pounds a month. That's not good. So what the metabolic assessment actually will do is it's going to calculate out true caloric expenditure based on your heart rate. So as long as you've got a heart rate monitor, you know what you're doing, you actually can figure out your true caloric expenditure. And not just total calories, but you can actually figure out how many calories do I need to expend, am I expending with fat, and how many am I spending carbohydrate-wise. And again, John, it's not an estimation. It, everything is looked off of purely off of volume of oxygen, volume of carbon dioxide, and your total volume. So there really isn't any guesswork involved. So it gives you the, again, no guessing. This is where you are. Yep, the difference between knowing and guessing, yes. Oh, yeah, exactly, because otherwise the person's going to think, well, should I do more, should I do less? Hey, I know exactly what I've done. I know what my, my how many calories I've expended. This was my goal. No guesswork. If I work out four times a week, four-hour cycling classes, as a percentage, where should I spend my time? Great question. 
I'd say probably if you look at that time across your week, the majority of your time should really be spent in more of that aerobic base development zone. So more of that base building, that steady state. Now, I'm not just saying steady state, pick it up, stick at a heart rate and just stay there. But it's more about staying within where I'm just above that aerobic base where, you know, I'm starting to use more carbohydrate. I'm trying to educate my muscles to use more fat as a fuel. So think maybe, I don't know, two-thirds, majority of your time. And then you want maybe about, hmm, let's say maybe about a sixth of that time, pushing it upwards, up towards that, towards the higher zone three, getting up into anaerobic threshold. And then you probably want about a sixth of that training, maybe in that active recovery, that easy time. I always joke around with clients and I tell them, think about your day at work. You got to play spider solitaire at least once during the day. I think a lot of people too, especially with cycling, they were too heavy on that, give me that challenge, give me that hard ride. Jessica, thank you for joining us today. I'm going to include, uh, with your permission, some contact information for you on the post of this podcast. So if people have specific questions, it would be okay for them to contact you? That would be great. They also can check out our website at www.newleaffitness.com. Perfect. And I'll include a link to that as well. Great. Well, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. Podcasting is a little like teaching a class in a totally dark room. You know there are people there, but you can't see them. You're not connecting with them. You're not getting any feedback. Was this podcast of value? Maybe there's a particular subject you would like to hear discussed. Or maybe you have a solution to a problem that you feel would be of value to other instructors. In any event, I would love to hear from you. You can leave me a comment at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. You can search for me on Facebook, John MacGowan, it's M-A-C-G-O-W-A-N, or you can send me an email, john at endorcycleinstructor.com. Until next time.